What's up, birds? And as the puck drops, the words that DC fans have been waiting to hear since 1974, the Washington Capitals are the 2018 Stanley Cup champions. It's not a dream. It's not a desert mirage. It's Lord Stanley, and he is coming to Washington. Welcome back to Jabers Inc. Radio. I am your host, Adam Stringham, and after about a month off, we're finally back. We have both Greg Young and Sam Silber with me today to talk a little bit about uh, the Capitals and how they're doing heading into the playoffs. How you doing, Sam? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, now down in Texas, so that, that was a reason for a little bit of a layover here, and uh, kind of a lot's changed with the Caps, which uh, I know Greg's been all on top of. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, uh, you know, it's just uh, finally starting to wrap up my last semester of law school. So uh, I thankfully have actually had some time to kind of do some uh, reading on the site. So it's been a, uh, it's been uh, it's been fun to kind of you know be able to hop back on the bandwagon a little bit. Well, it cer- certainly feels like a good time to get on the bandwagon as the Capitals have kind of started to put it all together, uh, kind of similarly to what we saw last year. Um, but before we get too much into that, I, th- I think we should start where really every conversation about the Capitals and the franchise uh, should start, and that, that's kind of with Alex Ovechkin, a guy who continues to dominate in a league where uh, generally scoring has been low since he entered. This year has obviously been a bit higher, and uh, re- really, no matter what, he's continued to dominate, now having eight fifty goal seasons um, the second most in NHL history with only Wayne Gretzky and Mike Bossy with more. Uh, Sam, what are your kind of thoughts on Ovi and, uh, you know, his continued excellence kind of defining that, defying that age curve? Uh, Alex Ovechkin. I, so watching him over the years has just been, can we just talk about how lucky we are to be in this generation where we get to watch this guy? I mean, everything about him is just so unique. And you see that consistency with age is absolutely incredible. He has an unbelievable shot beyond that from the office. We all know he can score on the power play. We know that one-timer is deadly. But if you look at his snapshot, his wrister, how he gets into positions, how he charges forward, and he's not afraid to, you know, crash the net or get into those areas or you know, throw his weight around. And over time, he's been able to develop his play. You saw him pretty reckless early on in his career. He would just run around and hit guys and, you know, bump into things. And over time, he's been able to develop, but hasn't lost his hockey sense. He has excellent vision, you know, absolute consistency. And that comes with the will that he has to perform at the level that he is and honestly I I'm kind of at a loss for words explaining it because you know with age you usually see a decline and and that's not him he's immortal he will live forever yeah I mean he is just it's it's unbelievable at this point I mean it's even just this year, there was all the jokes about how he was going to be too hungover to even show up to camp the first day. Um, and he came in and everyone was saying he was in better shape than ever, which is, I mean, un- just unbelievable on so many levels. It's, uh, I was kind of going into this year thinking, oh, like, is, and I think I wasn't the only one thinking, oh, is the motivation going to be there at the start of the year, particularly kind of in these kind of grunt games, you know, uh, kind of early in the year and midseason. But no, and I, I think at this point, you know, he is he is competing against, you know, the greats of the NHL and uh, and of all time. And it's just it's amazing to see that kind of generational talent just be able to keep it together. I think Sam really talked about just all the different ways he can score now. It's not just that, you know, he's, you know, alone in the circle. It's that, you know, he goes up there and is nasty in deflections. And he's also, I really think, developed a lot of other parts of his game, too. He is a really, really smart and underrated passer. And 
he at least attempts to back check now, which is uh, kind of at least a little bit of an improvement on maybe where it was a few years ago. You know, I, I kind of look back and um, just kind of on the offensive side, uh, I, I think back to really his first few years in the NHL, and he was a guy who could create offense on his own, off the rush, all the time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he, he would always come up that left side of the ice, slow down a little bit. The defender would, would, would have to back off at the blue line, and Ovi would just shoot it between his legs, top right corner. You know, that, that was his bread and butter play. Um, and it's just not available now for him like it used to be uh, because he's, you know, he doesn't have the speed to go through the neutral zone on his, on his own, but he's adapted his game to stay um, as the best goal scorer in the NHL. Um, that, you know, I, I don't agree when people say that Kern Ovechkin is the best Ovechkin. I'm always going to say that's 07, 08, Ovi. You know, 65 goals is an accomplishment that, uh, I, you know, I don't think I'll ever see someone dominate the league like he did that year again. But mm-hmm. maybe from a total perspective, Kern Ovechkin just does things that, you know, the, the younger Ovechkin didn't. I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think that makes him better on aggregate as a player, but I think it makes his game different. And it shows that he's a smart enough hockey player to kind of modify and adapt his game, um, really as as not just uh, the game around him changes, but as his body changes as well. Um, you know, he is still human. He is still aging. He's just finding a way to continue to succeed. Um, you know, kind of despite that fact, and and he's doing that by mixing up his style of play. Um, the one thing is he still does hit real hard and still does have that amazing shot. So, uh, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's a harder or almost as hard as ever, which is un- just unbelievable. Again, yeah. can take a head off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he could just take pucks off the chin or on, on his body. Like he did in the playoffs or yesterday and just be fine, which is, uh, just he's, yeah, it's just unbelievable. It's amazing. I mean, everything about him, it's just amazing. I was also talking somebody the other day about his skating style as well. It is not normal. <laughs> I, I mean, you see a guy who develops speed in a way where it's not in his stride, but from simply just stomping. <laughs> and I think that, like you said, like you said about him developing his play and, and doing more in the sense that you know, he needs to find new ways to score. Even when you play, you know, NHL, you're not always going to get that top shelf goal. You know, things change. The league changes. And the way that he's so unorthodox and things in such a different sense. Like, I honestly want to know what's going on in his mind over there. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, he's definitely a, a unique individual, and uh, we're all very fortunate to kind of get to see, in my mind, the greatest goal scorer of all time. Um, and, you know, when you adjust for error and compare to his peers, in my mind, the debates, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's settled. O- Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of all time. Um, and now the question is, is he going to be able to get a second championship after he cemented his, uh, his legacy? Uh, with that first one, so Greg, what about you? What what are you, what are you thinking when you think about the playoffs? Who who are you hoping the Caps see? Yeah, so it's been interesting to kind of think about the uh, Caps' potential playoff opponents uh, because really, until like you know the last day or so, it could have been one of five or six teams. It seems kind of unlike a couple of the other teams in the NHL, uh, particularly the Bruins, who have been knowing they're going to play the Maple Leafs for basically three months now. Um, and But the Caps playoff kind of opponents have been really wide open. And so I think it's kind of an interesting thought experiment to think about who you'd really prefer playing. Uh, so I wrote about it last week for the site, and it's definitely been, um, I, in my, my opinion, I, I still think that I would prefer the Caps to play the Islanders, although I actually don't know if that's possible anymore. I don't think it is. Um, but I think you look at the Islanders and you look at a team that maybe just doesn't match up super well with the Caps from a skill perspective and has been getting by on a lot of goaltending and Barry Trotz basically eliminating all offense entirely. Um, And it's one thing to see that during the regular season, but I think it's something the Caps could maybe adjust to in the playoffs. So 
I, you know, would still kind of slot them pretty highly. Um, and then kind of going down, I think uh, the the Blue Jackets, I, I put them third. I actually am starting to think that the, that might be a bad matchup for the Capitals. Uh, mm-hmm. They're playing really, really well right now. And just as importantly, Sergei Bobrovsky has just been on fire. Uh, I know that they were potentially concerned about not making a playoff spot. And that's something that is still a concern because those the three teams, them, the Canadians, and the uh, Hurricanes are all separated by a couple of points, so it's definitely feasible. But it seems likely that if they make the playoffs, they're going to be a pretty dangerous team, uh, particularly given the just sheer amount of talent. Um, and then the other team that I kind of uh, talked about a little bit that I think is an interesting experiment, and I'm kind of wondering your guys' opinions on, is the Carolina Hurricanes. I know that their underlying numbers are phenomenal, and mm-hmm. it's you, you kind of look at them you know, from a game-to-game basis, and I've actually been able to catch a decent amount of them this year. And, they, I mean, they look really good. They have an excellent blue line, a lot of young talent up there. But at the same time, the Capitals just played them twice and look pretty good, I think, against them. So, And they also have goaltending issues that are pretty well-documented. So mm-hmm. I, I maybe, if I had to re-rank them, wouldn't have put them first. But it's, like, it's definitely something you think about it's useful to think about exactly how the Caps would match up to them, particularly given there's a decent shot they could still play each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if... Yeah, I mean, if I can go in on Carolina, I think what you see there that interests me so much is a completely changed culture down in down with the Hurricanes. I think over time, it, it's... If they make the playoffs, I know the Habs could, with a win, if the Hurricanes uh, lose tonight, I know that they would take that uh, second spot from them. But Carolina, you've seen, and you can see it with the storm surge, you can see it with the way the guys get along with each other. They click very well. It's a group that is probably the most motivated I've seen in a long time since, what, they last won the Cup in 06. I, and... Honestly, the leadership, the chemistry, you got the young guys. But honestly, in the playoffs, I don't see them making that deep of a run, especially if they play Washington. Like you said, I mean, goaltending is so important. And they they struggle a little bit there. And honestly, I think that the Cavs have had their number all season. And honestly, it's, it's tough talking about the playoffs because I think the caps it's so it's so hard when it, when you see this team do what they did last season because it kind of has this like superman effect where you're like they can do anything and they can face anybody because they did it before they can do it again and if they face carolina in that first round they have their number I think the caps have had their number for a long time, through the changing culture, you know, you have all these scoring lethal weapons throughout the lineup that can completely just rip apart Carolina's defense. So I think they have them there. I do agree, though, that Columbus terrifies me, especially... It was funny, because seeing them out of playoff position, even after acquiring Duchesne and all that fun stuff was kind of kind of crazy to me um, because they did acquire, you know, quite a couple of really big pieces that would help their lineup, but they're finally starting to get it together. And a big part of that is Bobrovsky. Um, And he's still a goaltender that the, that the caps, you know, struggle against. And the blue jackets have seemed at least to me more motivated in this year's season series. So that's the playoff matchup. Um, that I'm most concerned about. And the Canadians... I don't know. What do you guys think about the Habs? I'm curious. Uh, I, I think it's Carey Price, and uh, that's about it. I mean, that might be a bit of an outdated opinion. I know the underlying numbers are better for Montreal uh, significantly this year than they were in years past, but uh, that's kind of a roster I don't look at that differently than looking at the Islanders' roster. It's just not overly uh you know it just does not shock me it doesn't there, you know there's no i'm not inspired to fear there's nothing that kind of makes me go oh man i'm really worried about how the caps would play in a seven game series against these guys 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, I tend to agree. And, and I'd put Carey Price significant. I, I I don't know why. Or the, I don't even know if the numbers back this up this year, but. Uh, you know, I'd put Vasilevsky also above Price in terms of goalie capabilities. So, uh, you know, I, I don't even think he's – and maybe – I think I'd have him above Rask, but when it comes to the Atlantic division, it's it's, it's just – you know, they're much bigger fish to be worried about than Montreal. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think they would be – I'd probably rather play them than Carolina just because of the underlying numbers, but um, – that being said, no, I'd, I think I'd rather play Carolina because the goaltending. I just don't think the goaltending would hold up for Carolina in a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Well, we just kind of I, think about it, right? We go back and yeah, we, we saw Vasilevsky I, last year too. The Caps play, outplayed true. Tampa the whole series. Uh, game seven was one of the games where the Capitals were not the most dominant, but Vasilevsky, yeah, Vasilevsky just stood on his head. Stole a couple of games in that series for them, particularly in DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I yeah I, I tend to agree with you on the Habs. Um, they have a couple of players who I find interesting. Um, I talked about in the piece. Max Domi is someone who's been pretty good this year. Um, I was one of the people who didn't love the Domi for Galchenyuk swap, but it's hard to mm-hmm. say it hasn't totally worked out for the Canadians because it definitely has. Um, you know, and Brendan Gallagher is one of those guys who's annoying. He's um, <laughs> very very good. Uh, mm-hmm. So that would be a couple of guys to watch out for, but. They, I mean, aside from Shea Weber on that blue line, um, who again is kind of, I, I think, not a great, uh, not a great matchup for the Canadians against the Caps. Uh, they're talking about like guys like uh, Brett Kulak, who is playing major minutes, and I think that would be depth that I think the Caps could really expose in a seven-game series. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Canadian or the uh, that the the Hurricanes. I would rather I'd play the Habs for that reason. The Hurricanes goaltending, I agree, is not very good. Um, although Murat. Isaac has been pretty good this year and has, has kind of been up and down a little, so you hope you don't get him on a hot streak. But, yeah, I, I think that's definitely fair, though, to you know prefer the the the, uh, the Canes over the Habs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to be an interesting kind of run here as we get into the to the playoffs and, and see where kind of the, the pieces fall. I'm trying right now to, to look up what the biggest probabilities are for um, the caps. Let's see. Well, you know, really great. Well, look at it up while we're on the call here. It you is, say great, great, uh, great podcasting. Yeah, here, great, great podcasting. <laughs> yeah, Columbus, way to go. Columbus yeah. is the most likely opponent, actually, fifty-two percent. So, uh, yeah. not prefer that. No. Although, then again, I mean, they could. Uh, I think this has been noted a couple of places. Have they have potentially the potential to have the exact same run they did last year, which uh, would be really cool if it happens. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah. think that is, that is, I think that would literally be the toughest possible combination of opponents. Um, yeah. you know, I think for, you could say that Capitals. about last year too, except for Vegas potentially. So yeah, yeah the Cavs did mm-hmm. not have any uh, easy series at all, uh, you know, in the road last year. Yeah, yeah. But I think Columbus is a much better team this year than they were last year. And I think, uh, uh, Maybe not. Maybe maybe if I was Pittsburgh, I would rather have. I think Pittsburgh was probably better last year, um, but you know Tampa and, and, and teams in the Atlantic could have a tougher road. But uh, you know, for a division winner, that wouldn't exactly feel like much of a reward having to start the playoffs against Columbus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so it's Columbus, then Carolina, Pittsburgh, Islanders, and Montreal. Uh, mm-hmm. The Islanders in Montreal are both less than ten percent probabilities. So uh, interesting, though, that we could still play any of those five with only two games left in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Columbus is, as I said, over fifty percent. Carolina is right around twenty, and Pittsburgh at fifteen. So those are your your three most likely. So uh, something, something to keep an eye out on. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. But let, let, let's kind of talk a little bit about you guys did talk about last year's playoff run and, and kind of the opponents. But what about kind of how we saw the Capitals pick up their play after the trade deadline. I mean, I, uh, thinking back to kind of that great run, I think about the Kempany acquisition um, and just kind of how the team was able to really just get into the right place, um, not just kind of in what we saw, but what the numbers, kind of the story that the numbers told. Um, you know, obviously Kempany's not going to be a factor this time due to mm-hmm. his uh, unfortunate hamstring injury. Uh, but we, we, it's it's going to be a uh, a tough challenge. But the Capitals basically tried to replicate the Kempney acquisition 
at this year's trade deadline. So, so I'm going to start with you, Greg. What do you think the Capitals, uh, you know, are are they as capable as flipping the switch this year as they were last year, and are we already seeing it? Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the numbers since the trade deadline, and I, I know I, I ran this, and I think I tweeted about it a few weeks ago, they basically have kind of fought their possession metrics to like a net neutral, which is a pretty staggering accomplishment given how far they were kind of below. Uh, and you can see it in the play. I think that there's something about getting a couple of guys at the trade deadline to really kind of wake people up. Um I'm obviously a little disappointed with the Kempney injury because I, you know, feel like Jensen then kind of was allowed to slot in the third pair a little more and really boost their depth kind of throughout the lineup. But you look at it, you know, and I think Jensen is a perfectly capable replacement for Kempney because that's kind of, I guess, how it's going to work now that Jews is slotted back in the lineup. So, you know, I think that that was, they definitely did do a good job of flipping the switch. And also, I want to really talk about Carl Hagelin, who has been pretty impressive and. I ran the numbers the other day, and he's improved pretty much everyone he's played with, um, including recently Kuznetsov, uh, and, who I think has also looked pretty good since the deadline. Um, you know, and I, I think that he's definitely someone to kind of talk about a little bit as really adding a different element to the Caps. You know, the Caps are not the world's fastest team these days, but getting that kind of speed and penalty kill ability, I, has, I think, has definitely been something that's been helpful for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head with what I was going to say. <laughs> how how well have Carl Hagelin and Nick Jensen fit into this lineup? I mean... Oh, they're awesome. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it can be so, so hard for guys to, you know, kind of adjust to the systems and all that. They, I've never seen players adapt so quickly. Um, maybe Maybe Michael Kempney, especially when he was thrown in. Um, on that top pairing. Um, and obviously, I mean, like you guys said, we're, we're going to miss him. But Nick Jensen, I mean, absolutely amazing. What impresses me the most about Jensen, I mean, he can move the puck up ice. And yes. I mean, you've seen so many goals scored from just tipping in those point shots or getting the rebound. He's not afraid to shoot. He, he has great vision. He knows those areas, and he knows where to pass the puck, when to shoot it. And, you know, he's he carries himself very well. Hagelin, like you said, I mean, makes everybody around him better. He has chemistry with just, I honestly, he could, he could play with, like, a tree and make the tree better. I mean, <laughs> Agreed. He's, he's, he's absolutely amazing when it comes to chemistry great you know guy to have in the room um and versatile you know i think i think he can be a guy who can play on the man advantage but you see at an even strength you know he's pushing toward the net you know staying in top six third line wherever you need him and then on the penalty kill you know he'll he'll he can log a lot of minutes the guy can do many jobs yeah. And honestly, you see you see a lot going on as the playoffs approach. And I think the room, the tone in that locker room right now is that okay. It's go time. We need to start gang ray. And you know, you see some of the lines switching all of that, but you see Verona absolutely tearing it up in the goal scoring department. Osh is getting goals, you know, left and right. Backstrom's starting to pick up. You know, like you said, Kuzi's starting to find some consistency. They're gearing up into playoff mode. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it's tough. And I, I know, Adam, last time I was on, we talked about kind of this idea that a Stanley Cup hangover might be more attuned during the kind of grunt part of the year in, <laughs> you know, December and January when, you know, the games could be a bit of a slog. A lot of the players are tired. And, you know, I think that really since the All-Star break, they've, you know, made a couple of key acquisitions. And we've seen a lot of guys just play with a lot more consistency. And, you know, I think that Kuznetsov in particular is someone who I've kept an eye on. And 
I think the trick is with Kuznetsov, when he's engaged, he's dominant. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes kind of finding that consistency with him is something that I know a couple of coaches now have tried to search for. Um, But either way, it seems like right now he's really starting to kind of pick things up a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been pretty happy with what we've seen recently. Um, you know, it was nice to kind of have Kuznetsov get a couple more goals under his belt. Um, yeah, and, and really kind of going back to the Haglin acquisition, I think the nice thing is it's allowed for some more flexibility um, for the other forwards as well. Um, you know, even the fourth line has looked good. Um, you know, uh, even Andre Burakovsky is kind of starting to play better. You can't quit him, Adam, can I can't, you? I can't. He's trying <laughs> to go away. All of a sudden, he starts playing better again. Um, th- I mean, I think the last the last episode we did before the trade deadline, um, I thought the Capitals would be in better shape not moving Burakovsky. And I think so far that's definitely been the case. Um, mm-hmm. He's looked like a different player. Um, and hopefully he can kind of keep that going. Um, I, you know, obviously I think there, there are some passengers on the fourth line right now, really just one. I'm not a big Chandler Stevenson guy anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just not overly impressed with his play, but I, I do have a Chandler Stevenson factoid, which is, uh, the, he is, um, the lowest forward in the NHL in terms of individual shot generation. Um, I'm aware that's not his role. Um, but he ran, and he's like second or third to last in all of the NHL, including defensemen. He's like right next to like Cronwall and stuff like that. Oh. So, you know, it's not great. Uh, I, I'm aware that's also not really his game, but at the same time, you need, you need more than that, right? I certainly well, hope so. Well, yeah. do you see, can I raise you guys a question? Hmm. Travis Boyd. Obviously, he's had some, you know, some... A little bit of a cold streak. You know, I think the other night he had his first goal in 25 games. But let me tell you, I really like him on that fourth line over uh, Chandler. And the reason I do is because I think he's a guy who is an absolute grinder. He's aggressive. He's very smart with and without the puck. And he honestly, he can kill penalties as well. And he's a very coachable player. And honestly, seeing him on that fourth line, I just think that he has the chemistry there that Chandler, while he's a great guy and he he showed great steps last season, I just see more from Travis on that fourth line. He, I think he has the chemistry that, that Stevie doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I just... I know you want your fourth liners to be able to kill penalties, but I, I just... Uh, maybe I'm just sour on Stevenson, but he's just he's, the production's just not been there, and he's just he, he's got his legs though. So so maybe you do maybe he can true. get there. We'll, yeah, but that's and it, it, if the biggest concern right now is the fourth line, I think the Capitals are in pretty doing, good doing okay. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that he's. I think it's definitely t- worth taking a look. I'm curious in the next couple of games. I'm hoping Reardon's going to maybe give uh, my own personal pet project or pet pet player, uh, Dimitri Yaskin, a little, maybe maybe a game or so. But it, it seems like, you know, I'm curious to kind of see him maybe shuffle through some different permutations of the fourth line last couple of games. Maybe see if he can find a combination that he likes. Mm-hmm. Better to experiment now than in the first round of the playoffs, that's for sure. Um, very, very true. That's so. True. We, you kind of talked about how they've improved since the deadline. Obviously, there's going to be a bit of a hurdle to overcome with Kempney uh, being out. But is there anything specifically about the capital style of play right now that either has you concerned about heading into the playoffs or has you feeling optimistic heading into the playoffs? And uh, Sam, I'm going to start with you here. But I, I wanted to focus kind of more on like the style of play uh, rather than potential opponents. Ooh. You know, I, I notice a pattern. I feel like you're favoring Greg here because, you know, you you give me the hard questions and, and say <laughs> Sam go first. <laughs> so I would just I would just like to you know, whatever. No, I, I can I can. Um I'm torn. I'm torn. It's it's a tough balance, you know. One of the areas that genuinely very much concerns me right now is that power play. Mm-hmm. 
I yeah. am not seeing it click very well. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, there's not much more to say about the power play. It's just not clicking. I feel like the passes aren't being perfectly executed. I feel like the same plays, you know, other other teams are kind of figuring it out. You know, they, they kind of know the whole pattern of, okay, if Ovi's not open, Carlson's going to take that point shot. Yeah. Or he's going to swing it around the boards to backstrom. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's messing with a couple things. And obviously, you know, we need more from that second power play unit. Because when they come out there for the, you know, later minutes of the man advantage, you need to have a backup that can make that production. You can't just rely all the time on a backstrom or a koozie. Because that's not the way that you win a Stanley Cup, and it's not the way that you win a game. It just isn't. Um, and then you kind of saw it. I know we weren't going to talk about the game last night, but oh, rough game. <laughs> last night being the Panthers game, so that yeah, or it's hard when we say today and yesterday. Yeah, so yesterday's yeah. Panthers game. Yeah, I know we weren't supposed to talk about it, but <laughs> what you did see, I mean, and some of it you can you can uh, you know chalk up to some you know just crappy puck luck, but. You saw these kind of fumbled pucks and turnovers, especially in the defensive zone. You see, you've seen recently some of the guys just getting beat out, giving away these odd man breaks, giving, you know, they gave away a shorty last night because they just let Churchek just fly past them. And it's just a matter of being careful and striking that balance. But when we get to the brighter side of things... Um, that second line, I really like. And the biggest reason I like it is Jacob Verona. You know, he's he's absolutely coming out of his shell this year. He's a fantastic player. He's got wheels. He has the confidence and he has the work ethic to keep at it. And that just adds more depth on the wing. Which makes you not really worry as much when you don't have, you know, Ovi on the ice. Or when you don't have Osh, you know, now that he's on that top line. It just shows that, or maybe not, the line shuffled a lot yesterday, but it just shows the depth that you have. And then we were talking a little bit about Berkey. You know, I think I think not being traded, I was, I was chatting with him, and he was like, no, like, I wasn't really, like, focusing or didn't really care about the trade deadline. If I was here, I was here. If I wasn't, I wasn't. I honestly think it's been a huge weight off his shoulders. You know, you see him more confident and getting more opportunities, and it seems like there's not a lot of concern or worry for him anymore. Instead, it's, I see it as urgency in his play that he's stepping up and kind of seeing it as, okay, I am still here. This team does believe in me. I am confident in that. I want to prove myself. And so that's looking really good for me. And then Nick Jensen. I mean, I, I talked about him before, so I'm not going to ramble on more about him, but I really like this addition. You know, I think he's great, and especially losing Kemp's, as terrible as it is, you know, you you have Nick Jensen, and honestly, it's reassuring to also have a guy like Siegenthaler waiting in the wings as well. You know, how, how good was he to start the year? I honestly, in training camp, I thought he was going to make the opening night roster. He was fantastic. You know, the skating is there, the maturity is there. You know, he's really developing his, you know, two-way game. So, there's some, I would say there's more positive positives than negatives, but we got to work on that, on that power play a little bit. I agree with Sam on the power play. I think that, I think I've, I've mentioned this before, um, that, there's only really a, a couple of guys the Caps trust getting the zone or entering the zone on the power play, and there's not a ton of speed exactly on the power play. So they're a lot. They're pretty reliant on Evgeny Kuznetsov to enter the zone, and I think that you know sometimes that can work, but other times I think their kind of zone entries can be a little predictable. Um, once they get in and set up, I agree with Sam. I think that there's definitely a couple of new wrinkles that they can add. And I know they've added them in the past. So I think that's going to be something I look for. Um, and, but another thing I think that's worth kind of thinking about and really seeing the last couple of games the, of the year is kind of how Reardon wants to arrange the defensive pairings. Now that Kempney's gone, um, 
we've obviously seen Jews uh, get paired with Carlson, which makes sense, you know, although it is kind of a little strange maybe that he goes from healthy scratch to being on the first pair. Um, but I think that it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of utilizes uh, Jews and Carlson, whether he continues to pair Carlson with Orpik in these key situations, kind of the role of Jensen to kind of be mitigated in there. But um, it's mm-hmm. definitely um, something I'm going to be kind of looking out for the next couple of games because I feel like Reardon's still trying to find a bit of a comfort level with his current defenseman and uh, definitely something to keep an eye on the, cu- the next couple of games potentially. Yeah. I think Sam makes a great point about the power play. I mean, that, that's something that I just kind of consistently watched, even going back to the, the great Tampa game in Washington. I mean, Washington had, what was it, something like six power play opportunities? I mean, it was a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were good on the play on the power play in the playoffs last year. And I know really over the last probably three, four, maybe even five years, it's, the power play hasn't dried up in, uh, in, in the playoffs. But teams are able to over you know, to really prepare right in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So they're going to know all your looks. They're going to scout all your stuff. So maybe the capitals are playing a great kind of trick, like pulling the wool over everybody's (laughs) eyes by playing the power play a bit differently over these last couple weeks. Just, uh, you know, not adding the wrinkles now and waiting to add them until the playoffs. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but I, I, I've just, even when they're in the zone, they've just, I, I think it's looked uninspired. Um, Mm-hmm. Teams are, are kind of pressuring them pretty heavily. I think trying, uh, and I think they're just they're, they're not respecting the Oshi shot as much, um, in my opinion. So kind of not if that Oshi position isn't a threat. I, I think it, it there just isn't really the whole power play kind of starts to fall apart because defenses can play it a little bit differently. Um, but but I, I totally agree with with Sam. I, I think the the power play is probably the biggest thing I think they need to improve on um, really in the playoffs in order to be successful. Um, but, you know, so far, Holpe's looked good recently. Um, mm. I, I, I am pretty happy with how the Caps have been playing, especially in the games against, uh, you know, against Tampa. I thought they looked great in all of those games. Um, and if you're going to decide, like, to play play against the best and uh that's that, that's what they've been doing so mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think that you could tell the last week or so the games that the caps have been up for and the games that they haven't been um mm-hmm. I, obviously the we will not mention the game against the panthers uh but a similarly kind of uninspired game against the wild at home whereas mm-hmm. the games that you know against tampa you could tell i mean how many shots did they put up uh, the, the last time they played them at home? I think they almost they either almost did or did set a team record, uh, and so I think it's oh, yeah. that, you know they're when they're motivated, it's they're they're a sight to behold. I think it's just uh, you know getting through these next couple of games, and uh, I'm not too worried about them getting motivated to play uh, you know whatever team, particularly if it's Columbus, because you know they uh, kind of want to hopefully keep kind of whatever mental edge they have over them. Yeah, um, Columbus is just going to be a, a really would be a very tough opponent. Um, They're good. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to circle back one other point on the power play that that Sam brought up. I, I think I, I really wish that we had kind of. I don't have the information in front of me, and I, and I, I don't want a second time look it up while we're on the <laughs> podcast. But I feel like the Capitals use their second power play unit. Uh, a very very low percentage of, of mm-hmm. the amount of time they're on the ice. I mean, I feel like you see Verona for m- maybe thirty seconds of power play at most. Uh, you know, I, I think it's a pretty low number, uh, and, and obviously Ovechkin's out there for almost the entire two minutes every game or every mm-hmm. power play rather, uh, unless they've scored. <laughs> so I, I think it's going to be a bit of a it's going to be an interesting balancing act because, you know, his ice time has been up this year versus last year for Ovechkin in particular. Um, you know, is he going to be tired going into the playoffs? So it, all in all, um, I think we have a lot to look forward here. Um, and, and, and as we get to kind of have a, a, a new sense heading into the playoffs this time, uh, without it being, will it finally be the year and rather, yeah, okay, we could do it again. So it's a, it's kind of a whole different way, both as, as fans and I imagine for the players as well, uh, to kind of enter the playoffs. 
I don't have anything else. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to talk about before we kind of wrap this thing up? No, I mean, I think it's yeah. worth giving a shout out to Brett Connolly, who has been freaking phenomenal, really. Uh, yes. Good for him being doing this in a contract year. You know, I'm, uh, I'm all under the guise of, hey, man, get paid. So, uh, like, he, uh, I think he's going to get paid this offseason and uh, really. He uh, really done made a really done a kind of a good good thing for him. Uh, really kind of refined his finishing ability, I think, in a lot of ways. And uh, I I think you know whatever team have that gets him next uh, probably won't be the Capitals, I would imagine. Uh, but I think they're getting a really good player, and I think a player's really kind of developed in his time over Washington. So uh, I definitely think he's worth kind of shouting out to. Yeah, I mean, uh, can I just? I just want to express my love for Travis Boyd one more time. I, I know I know that he <laughs> I know that he hasn't um that he hasn't been the in the lineup recently. Um but no. I mean besides Travis Boyd, I think something I did want to mention going back to that power play. Yeah. I noticed that against I'm gonna say it, against the Panthers, they started to cycle things up. And you saw Ovechkin move from the left side to the right. The rotation with Carlson? Yeah, and I was really interested by that. But what I also want to see that I think would be really good, because I believe on that second power play, it's Orlov who comes out to replace Carlson. Yep. I think Niskanen should get some power play minutes. He has a bomb from the point, Matt Niskanen. He has an incredible shot. He sees the ice very well. I think he's very disciplined. And honestly, I mean, so people can say what they want about Niski. <laughs> I know he's had his, his share of problems. You know, that Orlov-Niski pairing. It's been a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not crazy about it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to avoid the words that are bad for podcasts. But it has it has not been good. Um but, but yeah. But you'd give him I mean, the minutes? You you'd give him more minutes on the power play? Oh absolutely. I think yeah. I think that I would give him that time with Ovechkin at the tail end. And I want to see like you said, I want to see more of that power play too. And I think the way to improve that is to just have, I think Brett Connolly also, like, why aren't, like, I want more of him. I want more of Brett the Threat. You know, I, there's just a yeah. lot that can be done with this power play. I know we just talked about it, and I just want to rant before I go home and scream in my room about it. I want to see more out of this man advantage. Um, and I think if they do that, it's it's going to be a fun postseason to watch for sure. You know, and I, yeah, I, I was trying to be to be nice and, and and talk about you know I only want to talk about the power play. You can kind of talk about everybody struggling if you talk about the power play, but uh, you know if Niskanen's going to come up, I mean you, you kind of make a great. He's just we'll see. I, I mean I I really personally like I'm starting to think Matt Matt Niskanen's having like a Brooks Orpic type season not obviously and Orpik's having a good season but Niskanen is just really I mean it's painful to watch him right now for me uh you know he's fallen so far so fast um you know when the Shattenkirk deal happened I think I probably would have placed Niskanen as the Capitals top defenseman I think I would have gone Niskanen Carlson Shattenkirk or in that something like that for those three guys and you know Niskanen now is you know, if the Capitals want to get out from under that contract, they might have to bundle something with it after this season. So um, it's just crazy to me how the mighty have fallen. But who mm-hmm. knows? I mean, the playoffs are on the corner. Uh, things can change. Players can play better. And uh, hopefully Niskanen will be one of those guys. Um, may- maybe getting some points on the power play would help them out. They do have two days to kind of experiment. And, you know, I- I'm not sure how well having a left, uh, left-handed shot like Orlov on the power play for the second unit has uh, has worked out so far. Although mm-hmm. or- Orlov is his own entry threat uh, from the back end, um, 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, that second unit has been such a disaster that I think that I'm, I'm in favor of it. I also I, in favor of giving Niskanen a shot on it. You know, I think sometimes yes. when you have a player in a funk too, maybe you need something kind of new to shake him out of it. Uh, you know, and so we'll. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of what they choose to do. I. I, I definitely agree with Sam on, on Niskanen's shot. There was, uh, I think, last postseason, he had just this bomb against um, Murray in one of the games. Just beat him, even though Murray got his glove on it. He just completely rocketed it by him. So I think it's definitely worth a shot. Niskanen definitely isn't going to be a guy who's going to give up a ton of shorthanded goals. So, uh, you know, I think, I think it's definitely uh, experiment under the guise that it's not working now, so you might as well try something new. The Niskanen. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of us. Is it, is it just for the puns? Is that is that like the reason we're getting we're gonna put Matt give Matt Niskanen more ice time? I don't know. Hey, that's a very <laughs> rational way to make decisions. Yeah, I will that, hear no objection to the contrary. How do you think? How do you think the Penguins won back to back cups? Uh, huh? Do you think? Do you think they did it without puns? I I didn't think I, I, so. I was trying to think mm-hmm. of what puns they probably had in those two year runs, and I'm just I'm not sure I can like remember any of the big ones. I mean, they did have they did have that. Uh, well, I guess it's not a pun, but I did love the HBK line. I yeah, always thought that's, that was that's not a pun. That's just that's nah, just, that's catchy. Right. just a that's name. Just, but just I liked catchy. it. I thought it was cool. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't like it when they torched the Caps. That was pretty rough. But uh, you know, uh, so I, I do think the Caps needed uh, at minimum before the postseason. We got to come up with some new line names for them. I know uh, at one point we had the TKO line. Um, so we got to figure out some kind of combination to bring that back, and I think that'll. You know, if there's any kind of loose ends is high up, that's clearly the top priority. What would you call Ovechkin Backstrom Obo? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that, that. Obo line. <laughs> when yeah. you go, why wouldn't you go bot? That's Rush boring. Up. I like or, it. Or boo. You could do boo, but then that messes up the line. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, yeah. and also who boos who boos the best team in hockey? Yeah. Insane. <laughs> yeah, totally fair. <laughs> right, so there is one last thing. Sam had a great post on Japer's Rink, kind of over the last little bit here about her journey to become a kind of a hockey writer. Um, Sam, do, is there anything you want to say about your piece, or just give it a general plug? Uh, totally up to you. Um, do I want to plug it? Well. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, I would hope you'd try to get more people to read your your piece. It was good. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I hate I hate bragging about myself, but <laughs> no, I I think first of all, huge shout out to my favorite blog Japers for even letting me run this piece because it had come out of a conversation, you know that that was kind of dismissive. And somebody kind of tried to compare and was like, oh, if I did what you did, like, I would just blow you out of the water. And I I lost it for a minute. And first of all, shout out for them, you know, calming me down, that kind of thing. You guys really calmed me after that conversation. But it inspired me to write a piece about how I became a hockey writer. And it was a tough road growing up. It was not easy. I grew up you know, in a pretty poor family and parents divorced, single mother. And, you know, I was told to follow my dreams. And honestly, I've, I faced the sexism in the field and I've had, you know, people tell me like, you're not going to make it when you're older. You're not going to be able to do this. You can't do that. And you can. And I wanted to write something that shows that, no, it's not easy. You can't just walk in somewhere and expect things to come to you and to be easy. Um, And that's what I wanted to show in this piece. And I also wanted to inspire people who, you know, whether you're a writer or whether you're a girl who likes sports or whether you just want to follow your dreams and be an attorney, Greg, you're going to represent me when I get sued or something. I don't know. Honestly, I'm a little bit nuts and kind of stupid, so you might have to. It'll look be out fine. That. It'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it was it was something that was so hockey was such an outlet for me, and it's a passion. Everybody has a passion, and you just need to take it and run with it. And some people don't realize that until they look 
at words on a page. And I think I didn't even really realize, you know, and I, again, I don't like talking about myself or, you know, feeling I've never really been like the confident, cool kid in myself. But when you see things on paper, it completely changes your perception. Um, so, yeah, no, if you haven't checked it out and, and want to check it out and, and learn about a kid who was like three foot 11 in fifth grade and nerdy. Like, and how she became a hockey writer. And a um, hockey player, too, right, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I play with Jason um, Rogers, and a great guy. I am much better than him. <laughs> um, and, yeah, no, I play, and I just started playing this year. Um, and that was another thing, that my mom was like, you are going to get hurt. No, you're not playing hockey. And I've had people tell me, like, you have no athletic skill. And I'm like, but you're not wrong. But I'm <laughs> like, you know, like, why why not try? You're here for a short time. You know what I mean? Enjoy the ride, man. So, yeah, I think I think that's what you'll, you'll get out of this piece. And thank you guys for reading it and talking about it and being interested in, you know, women in sports journalism and, you know, women doing fun things. I, I do think it's awesome that uh, you know, get Sam and uh, really, I think the number of women across kind of the hockey media. I mean, my favorite beat writer right now is uh, you know Isabel Kershudian, and yes. I think done amazing uh, kind of work. And I think in general, like I know the Washington Post had this photo with because uh, at one point all of the beat writers uh, for the DC major sports were women, and I think mm-hmm. it's just so crucial to be having different perspectives and uh you know the, the women are obviously you know just as in many cases more capable than men at this at this job and uh, i think it's uh, i think it's awesome to see people like sam it was a really great piece so highly highly recommended yeah, thank you definitely definitely um and, and i'm really on behalf of, i think that's a great note to wrap up on so on behalf of myself uh, greg young and sam silver thank you for listening to this episode of Jaber's Rink Radio. We hope to have a firm playoff preview for you guys once the Capitals' opposition is set.